0: Playoff time is when things start getting serious on the court. Players are more driven than ever to win these big games and keep advancing. Goodyear knows all about being more driven, too. Working hard to help you advance on and off the road. Let Goodyear.com help you choose what's best.
1: How can you be broke and friends with Mark Cuban?
0: Because I cover the Mavericks. So what? So? I mean, they don't pay me much to cover the Mavericks.
1: Yeah, but 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 you know Mark Cuban.
0: Well, like, yeah, but Mark Cuban's tried to get me fired multiple times. He's tried <laughs> to make me even more broke. Now I'm going to know the next president really well.
1: That's good. I'm happy
0: to hear that. Mark Cuban offered me a a spot in the White House. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you be the you got to be the yeah. communications director.
0: Well, that's like, what I asked wait. for.
3: It is the Hoop Collective Friday show Um, We have uh, Jackie McMullen is not with us this week Which is sad But what is happy Is that joining us from Seattle The man The machine I believe he is known uh, Kevin Pelton Kevin, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks for it Good to be here It's wonderful to have you Uh, Also on the West Coast is in Los Angeles. Are you in Los Angeles? Or are you in a, you're in a Are you in a uh, suburb of Los Angeles?
1: Uh, technically a suburb of Los Angeles.
3: It's KB, Kaylee, Brant, right. the best. Um, mm, Alliteration, good for you. And um, in Dallas, Texas, the one, the only. Thank God, mm. Band McMahon.
1: Does he get
3: fireworks too? (laughs) You know, the last few weeks Jackie has been singing a second verse to the uh, the Tom Haverstraw original, and she's she's hoping to potentially come up with her own song at some point, so we can just eradicate Tom altogether. But we'll see. But I I like Tom playing that guitar. Well, we'll just leave the guitar track, and then she'll have new words for it. Right, we can edit that mm-hmm.
0: way. As long as I oh. have a theme song, I just need a theme
3: song. <laughs> You've got it. So I'm in Washington DC and um oh, everyone's I'm here talking you. A... Oh, Thank And Andrew Han overseeing the production. I am so sorry that I am late. I was just out there BSing with Paul Pierce. Oh, and... now oh, we a name drop too. Now we're going to oh. name yeah. drop. We were we were reliving um the moment where he issued the greatest uh, walk-off interview in sports oh, history. I had it at the elbow. What more can you ask for? You got two
4: by the elbow of the game on the line. Did you call bank?
3: I called game. I called game. I called game. Broussard, you know, he Chris Broussard asked the question. I, I, I remember watching it live and thinking, yeah. That's kind of a weird question to ask because it's, you know, not something usually a TV question, but it ended up being the greatest question and answer of all time. Oh, yeah, because he
0: just asked, did you call bank on that last one, right?
3: And, like, there was all these people around him, and he just had this defiant look on his face. So uh, I'm at this, this Cavs-Wizards game, and um, the Cavs are in an interesting situation oh. right now. Um, but when I'm talking about the calves, the, the first thing I got to talk about is a former calf, uh, in Kyrie Irving. Yes. Um, who, yeah. who is playing v- pretty well, um, and potential defensive yeah. player of the
0: year. Kyrie. Irving. Well,
3: let's, let's <laughs> hold our water. Let's hold <laughs> our water. Um, he is leading, or at least he I was carry the water two days ago. Um,
0: he's close. Um, I
3: think he's second. I looked today in steel second assist steals. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he's got, you know, they're they've won six in a row and he's get he's got a nice, you know, two man game going with Horford and um you know, but this the Cavs are stinking. This um interview that he did with uh whose podcast was it? Gino Ariema. <clears throat> oh yeah, right, Gino Ariama. Um he not only doubled down on the flat Earth stuff, which you know, okay, that's old news, but now is joined the conspiracy theorists that the moon landing was fake. Oh boy! And his his rationale for that was that he thinks that the there's the footprints that were on the moon don't match, or something like that. Okay, okay how do... is that
1: his rationale, and not that if the Earth is flat, then as to is the moon. Hmm. How is that not his... That's job? a very
0: logical, illogical approach.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly, right?
0: <laughs> okay, does, do you believe he believes this, or do you think he does it kind of a shtick?
1: I think that he might believe it. Or at least he did, and now he's embarrassed, so he's doubled down after being embarrassed about it. What,
0: what classes
3: did he take during his
0: semester at Duke?
1: Basketball...
3: <laughs> by the way that's a great question like a follow up to that to Kyrie should be if the earth is flat is the moon flat right that's the problem right he doesn't have the
4: answers to any of these questions like he doesn't believe that we have photos of the earth, of earth. Like, he's, he's yeah, not but, sure what to think but, about space but
3: beyond the like we don't need to go into the to the actual points of the argument I'm just more fascinated that he is decided to double down right now
1: on it I think it makes sense because it, even if he believed it a little bit right and he would put it out there and now he's embarrassed because of the backlash which he should be especially in an age of disinformation that we're going through right now um, it's
3: I dangerously close to the social media guideline <laughs> <understanding. I know. laughs>
0: she, 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 she doesn't have to she not have to follow him.
2: Well, that's the thing. It's like there's that theory that you know whatever the horror movies of the time follow what people are actually scared of. So maybe like it's kind of like that with Kyrie that like you know I just can't trust anything because that seems to be his message more than you know specifically this is wrong. It's just you can't trust anything anyone else tells you, which is a hard way to live life.
1: But uh, but that's well, that's wrong.
0: I don't believe he believes it. I think it's just like a, a weird marketing ploy to get his name. Like, when he says the stuff, it blows up and, and it goes viral and his name's out there. I think it's a marketing ploy.
4: You think this is like a Pepsi campaign? Is that what you're saying? Something like that. A little Uncle Drew sort of action. Uh, it
1: does no, have a little false leg yes, If the, That is true, McMahon. like If he's really just using this as like a metaphor for questioning established models, like that's okay it's okay to question establish i was a math major like that's what we do all the time but and you are cool it, oh oh trust wow. me. I know hey look tim
2: you're outnumbered by the uh the math
0: teamers on this one
1: that's true wait honestly wait, he was a math-
0: hey I, I swear to you i look at my daughter's sixth grade math homework i'd flunk it no yeah. question yeah. no question Sixth grade,
3: not even doing algebra yet. Come on!
0: I I would have to pay attention in class to pass sixth grade math for sure.
1: (laughs) But but here's the thing: if if you come up with an alternative theory, it has to explain all of the observations that you have previously made that you've already established. So, like, there's a difference between coming up with an alternative theory that's backed by scientific facts, and then just coming up with a conspiracy that has nothing to do with facts that have already been established. You can't. You can't deny a fact and that's what he's doing. He also was quoted to say uh that there is no real picture of Earth. Like what's that about? Yeah. You? Right now on Google. Right now you can get a live picture of Earth. I don't I don't
3: uh, understand. But again, don't 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 try to argue with him. Just I want to focus on the on the psychology of of the of what well, he's that's trying true. to do. Well and
4: Brian this is this is a question that I wanted to ask you. Uh do you think that it's that it's an issue that he's saying all this stuff, regardless of whether he thinks
3: it's true or not. Yes. Yeah. Well, have you been Have you been looking at his his quotes? Oh yeah. What are some of his quotes? Those. Well, his well, just his quotes in general. They're kind of like he's trying to be a like, one of the things that bothered him in Cleveland. I mean, many things did, but one of the things that bothered him was that nobody ever like. Wanted his take on major events that when, like, something you know happened in the world, it was like, Oh, what does LeBron say about it? and nobody cared about Kyrie. It's, it's,
4: so, he's like the Chappelle
3: show thing where it's like, well, Where's Ja Rule? I need to know what Ja <laughs> is. Like,
4: that's what he wants. <laughs> well, <laughs> which, there, which some came of that. true, right?
3: <laughs> so, there's some, of, true. there's some of this stuff, well, and so, like, if you read his quotes, especially like. Like it's it's better if you see the quotes you can't like when you see him on TV it doesn't resonate as well as so if you actually read like the line by line of his quotes like they are nonsense they are genuine right. nonsense like yeah they're faux deep thinking
0: nonsense
3: and like isn't this um, thing about the flat Earth thing sort of faux deep as well yes absolutely
0: yeah but yeah you know, people talk about it and it gets some attention and it helps sell. Nike's probably and whatever Does it? Does it? Like the crap
1: the flat earth jordans <laughs> <laughs> I
0: mean there's a, there's a
1: segment
2: of the population out there there's a
3: there's a base <laughs> careful here you go get your you're getting close to the social media guideline there uh, no, I I mean look well tells a a known troublemaker
1: he is he's such a daredevil so i love him
3: um so he also said this um in, as part of that podcast uh, and he's he's slowly but surely progressively been taking shots at Ty Lu. Like, um, you know, everybody kind of thought it was a LeBron thing, but when he did that first take interview, he took two or three square jabs at Ty. And then Ty, like, had something to say to him during a timeout um, in that first game, and they ended up getting a little jawing match, and Kyrie got, te- got teed up. <laughs> and and then this this is what he said to REM also in this he's talking about Brad Stevens here. Uh, Brad oh. fits perfectly in terms of that because he has an intellectual mind and 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 know. is an intellectual human being. It was something I was unbelievably craving in terms of ew. what I wanted for my career.
1: Oh God, ew.
3: So in addition to being you know an intellectual mind and an intellectual human being, just however weird that is saying, he basically <laughs> is calling Ty Lue stupid.
4: Wow. Really? Maybe it's Brad Stevens has validated his flat Earth opinion. Yeah, so, but
1: Brad Stevens is probably so pissed that that's coming out of Kyrie's mouth.
4: Yeah, he comes from like a family of teachers. I don't feel like
2: Brad Stevens is endorsing that one.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Eh, you know what though? like, Kaylee's the most intelligent girl I've ever met, I'd be like, oh no. <laughs>
3: oh no. Uh is there a lot of people at Stanford by the way? Is there a Flat Earth Society at Stanford?
1: There is not. Can confirm. There are okay, no flat Earth believers.
3: Surprising. But like um
1: I know. My right?
0: my brother actually thinks the Earth is flat. He graduated from Stanford.
1: No. Here, no,
4: you're joking, Tim.
0: <laughs> what? About my brother graduating from Stanford?
4: Or about your brother thinking that the Earth is flat? I might be joking about that part. Yeah, And that's the point with all of this. You can't tell anymore if anyone's joking or not.
1: Right. Um, Because their arguments are like, if you observe the landscape, yeah, but if you go back thousands of years ago, people did think the Earth was flat because they did look at the landscape and they figured it was flat. So that was the reasoning thousands of years ago. But of course, since there's... Much evidence now, and as scientific knowledge has improved and compiled over several hundreds of years, you can't just dismiss all the other evidence. Uh,
3: I mean, this is low key turning into not just Kyrie versus LeBron, but Kyrie versus Ty Lu.
0: Hey, Kyrie's and, cojones ain't yeah. flat. I can promise you that. <laughs> <laughs> Ew. How, how do we feel about the fact and that Kyrie is size? Well, yeah.
2: yeah. How do we feel about the fact that Kyrie is playing? defense like trying on defense now and didn't do that in cleveland is that like would would you be upset about that if you're Lu?
3: well kevin when you have an intellectual mind to I'm, coach um, right? you yeah. <laughs>
0: Tyloo's got plenty of things to be upset about, and uh, Kyrie might be annoying and all that, but he's got enough on his plate to maybe That's not fair. even worry about what's coming out of Kyrie's mouth or what Kyrie's doing in Boston.
3: Okay, so um, McMahon, you've been around the NBA for a while, you've covered teams. Uh, we'll see if you guys if you've ever heard of this. Um, so shoot around today was mm-hmm. uh, so sh- so so the Cavs do their shoot around media availability before shoot around. So today they were shooting at the arena here from 10 to 11 a.m. So the media shows up about 9.30, 9.40, just to make sure we're all in place. And I walk into the bowl, and the first person I see is Ty Lue standing at center court. And my first thought is, oh, my God, I'm late. I thought I walked into the Cavs shoot-around. Um, but I look around and know um, Ty Lue is out at center court with a piece of, like, of uh, like a game plan in front of them, and the Cavs two rookies Jetty Osman from Turkey and auntie Zizic who I think is from Croatia um uh, are out there running like dummy plays with three other coaches and Ty is out there running it like the head coach before shoot around at 9 30 in the morning and he's like okay now we're gonna run point flex and, you know, now we're going to run point flex dive and like, you know, they're going over their plays and we're sitting there and I'm like, I wonder if he's working on new offense. But then like the Cavs beat writers were like, I think they he's going to play these guys tonight. Ooh. He's getting him ready to play. And in fact, that is true. He they came over early to get their two um, European rookies to go through some paces and they're going to play him tonight and to have the head coach over at the arena like that to me you can read that a lot of different ways you can read it as oh he's rolling up his sleeves and is uh you know trying to go to work on their slump and he's going to try to fix it or you can read it as oh my god he's so desperate he's going down to the uh the rookies who and he's trying <laughs> to teach him teach him the offense a few hours before they play their first game
0: yeah that doesn't sound like a way to get the season on track is to uh, play a couple rookies whose names you're not really even comfortable pronouncing because right. you yeah, know yeah I don't know. I don't I, I think don't it, not like the... Really? Yeah I mean the part
2: one of their issues right now is that they look very old and they are very old as we know that they're you know the oldest team in terms of weighted age in the NBA. So not that Zazitch and Jetty Osman are uh, freakish athletes but getting just a little youth and exuberance in there i think could help and then obviously they have a needed center now with tristan thompson out
3: there, well Osman is an energy player um he's like a high energy guy who runs who flies around on the perimeter he's actually kind of a whew, not to stereotype but he's sort of like a bigger matthew Dellavedova. like he he's a matthew Dellavedova who plays on the wing but that type of player uh, gritty um,
0: lunch pail kind of guy.
3: Jim Well, <laughs> y- uh, You know, just like, you know, scrappy. <laughs> oh mean, scrappy, yes. Yeah, yeah, scrappy, scrappy and gritty. Woo! Very you know, very okay. different. Hey. Yeah. yeah. Grappy, um, but they need scrappy. But they do. But but Turkish, not Australian. They
0: need somebody yeah. who actually is going to attempt to get a stop defensively. That'd be a good idea, because they're,
3: you know, pretty pathetic. Kevin, did you see the um, have you seen uh, some of the pick and roll numbers involving Kevin Loves? Mm. I have not seen those, but I'm
2: imagining that they are quite bad.
3: So the other night, uh, when the Pacers played the Cavs, they ran 26 pick and rolls um, with uh, Donat- uh, Donatus Sabonis as the screener. Dematus. And uh, 18 of them were when Love was guarding him. And on the Love plays, they averaged 1.5 points per possession on those pick-and-rolls. Jeez. And um, Love's defensive rating this year is 116 points per 100 possessions. I mean, the Love thing at at center
0: was an absolute disaster, but it's not like moving him to power forward and putting Tristan Thompson in the lineup fixed everything or anything. (laughs) Right.
3: Well, considering that they're playing one of the classic big bruising centers in Gortat tonight, I'm not ruling out huh. that they could that they could start this visage kid or at the very least bring him in pretty quick. I kind of thought
2: the Celtics might do that and use him in the role that Aaron Baines has ended up playing where you know he's kind of the the guy who plays you know ten minutes a night basically at the start of the game and the start of the third.
3: Well, the wizards um, starting unit. I believe is, if not the best starting unit in the league, one of the best starting units in the league. So, and the Cavs uh, have been horrible in the first quarter. So, if they think they're just going to hold their nose with love for the first six minutes of this game, uh, I got news for you. They're going to have road grader pick and rolls with Gortat and Wall and Wall and Beal at the top of the key and they're going to put them in a blender.
4: Brian, you you saw something like this the first year LeBron went to Miami when they started out slow and there was a lot of concerns as to what was going on. Uh, at what point does Ty lose uh, coaching seat?
3: Well, um, right now, if you listen to Kyrie Irving, um, uh. so um, he this, this is gonna this is their ninth game. He's starting his six different lineup, um, and he's you know getting up early to put rookies through the paces to put him in the lineup. And I asked him today, I go. How are you managing these these stresses? Because not only is the team underperforming, but he's got all these lineup changes, <coughs> all these guys in and out of the lineup. And he's like, Well, I'm not sleeping much. And so, you know, he's trying. Um, you know, if they don't get better in the short term, there's going to be a demand for changes. But I think we're we're still too early for that. But the thing about it is is that their schedule has been easy. They have a um they have a four-game road trip starting next week where they go down to see McMahon in Dallas. And uh, that should be a hell of a game between the 29th action. and 30th defensive yeah. teams
0: in the league. two worst defensive teams in the league. They'll actually see me in Houston
3: before that. Oh, look Look at that. So, um, yeah. oh my God, what are the Rockets going to put up on them? Um, well, the Rockets
0: actually are not lighting it up by any chance. I know, right and
3: they're actually, they're actually slow. They're actually, their pace is a lot slower, but um, somehow I think they're going to... Um,
0: yeah, they'll be fine. Yeah.
3: Um, so, but anyway, um, uh, you know it's a fair question, you know, especially if they don't straighten it out in the short term. But you know, you talk about that first year in Miami, and uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be open and honest with this. I may use this in a story tonight if uh, if 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 the Cavs lose this game. I'm so. You're not, not allowed st-
0: to, you're not allowed to talk about – oh, <laughs> you're not tweeting. Okay, go on. Go on. Yeah. <laughs>
3: um, so when the, when the Heat were, were, were struggling, and they were like 9 and 8. Um, or even the, – they, they started out even slower than that. They were 9 and 8, but they started off like – I want to say like 3 and 3 or something like that. But yeah, and 9 remember, and 8,
0: I remember when, they, when LeBron like brushed uh, Spo in Dallas and yeah, all kinds
3: of which drama. Which he did on purpose. Hmm. Um, and uh, I remember Eric Spolster using a Pat Riley line, which is, "You have to be an active participant in your own rescue," um, and that is from like I guess Riley. I, I know this was in one of his books. He like went whitewater rafting, and when they were giving him the the, the little the little study session before you go. Um, to you know prepare yourself that you know if you fall out of the boat you can't just lay there in the water and expect somebody to come pick you up you got to actually swim back to the boat and reach up so it's one of the things that riley talks about so like right now in the last two days both tyloo and then lebron this morning was like well you know we are missing you know a 30 point a game uh all-star and all of a sudden they start they've started pointing out that they're missing isaiah thomas to try to explain why they're why they're struggling and I just why don't think that's, why they're
0: so bad defensively
3: <laughs> right <laughs> yeah
0: I don't that's fix that
3: I don't think that's a healthy way to look at it I, I know and so I'm saying you got to be an active participant in your own rescue so I think whatever you want to say about Ty Lu he is trying to be active and uh, yeah. we'll see if these lineup changes work tonight.
2: What, one thing they will benefit from, I think, you know, people, I think Lou said something after the last game to the extent that, you know, they keep running into a bunch of teams that are hot from the perimeter. Is that, I remember that right? That's true. They, which they are. I mean, opponents are making 42% of their threes against them, the highest mark in the league. And uh, that really doesn't predict anything about what happens going forward. Ben Falk had a piece on gleaning the glass earlier this week, uh, uh, one of the insider pieces that showed that there's basically no correlation between how well a team, how well teams shoot against a team in the first five or six games and how well they're eventually going to shoot the rest of the season. So, you know, if other teams are making 36% of those threes, it doesn't look quite as bad.
3: Hmm. Um, yeah, so the Cavs are making four fewer three pointers per game than they did a year ago. Um, and last year they made um, three more threes than their opponents. So they were plus nine um, in, you know, in the three-point game during the season last year. And right now they are minus uh, three per game. So they're minus nine. So that's an 18-point swing in the first eight games just in terms of the three-point shot. And you say, well, where did the threes go? Well, they went to Boston because Kyrie made two and a half a game last year, and they replaced him with Derek Rose, who makes you know maybe one a week, if mm-hmm. that. And um, you know they also have not been playing Channing Frye, who made two per game last year. And J.R. Smith is shooting 19% on threes, and I think Jay Crowder is shooting like 26%.
0: 28, yeah. 28%. Crowder has been surprisingly crappy. I loved him going to Cleveland. I thought that was a great pickup. And he is, I don't know, it's early, but he has not played well at all.
3: Well, his role role has changed three times. He was a starter, then he was out, and now he's back in the starting lineup. And, you know, the Cavs have a couple of times talked about being out of shape, and that's one of the players that they've kind of hinted Mm. at because, you know, his mother passed away in August. Right and you know he was with her she was ill and so his summer was completely derailed from normal and he's right that's one of the things that they've pointed to
0: and jay does have a body where you know i mean he's got a body that naturally he can get big i mean even going back to when he was young with the mavericks he had to really kind of concentrate on making sure he didn't get uh, puffy
4: i think uh, i think they call it, the kids call it thick these days. <laughs> big, big, big bone.
0: With two dude. C's. Two C's. Ain't right,
4: nothing wrong with a little
0: thickness. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. No one is available to take
1: your call. Please leave a message after the tone. <laughs>
2: Hey KB, I'm pretty sure we're going to get so many
4: questions from listeners that we're going to need to hire someone to help us sort through all of them. Wait, no, that doesn't make any sense because the listeners, they wouldn't know what you're talking about. Your segment hasn't run yet. All
2: right, three, two, one. Hey KB, with this segment we're starting taking questions from listeners. I'm worried we might have so many we need to hire someone to sort through all the questions.
1: KP, I'm available if you want to pay me. I've been here the whole time.
2: Well, we definitely don't want to do that, but we're going to need to hire someone.
1: Well, Kevin, what if hiring could be easier? You know, sometimes those stacks and stacks of candidates' resumes we're getting over here can be so high, they almost cut off the beautiful view of their potential. So even when we're busy, what if we could still be smart about the way that we hire? With ZipRecruiter, we can post our jobs to over 100 of the web's leading job boards with just one click. Then, ZipRecruiter puts its smart matching technology to work actively notifying qualified candidates about our jobs within minutes of posting so that we could receive the best possible matches. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other hiring sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on the right candidates finding you. It finds them. It's like Kevin if Tinder came to you.
4: I like how you're framing this towards Kevin because he has no hiring power on this podcast it would be me yeah, it's so you're you're really targeting <laughs> like the people that don't have any control over this great job Kaylee
1: yeah thank you <laughs> <laughs> so no wonder 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day
2: find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by growing businesses of all sizes and industries to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results and right now our listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash collective. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash collective. One more time. To try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash collective.
1: ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire.
2: I'd definitely swipe right on ZipRecruiter.
1: So
0: (laughs) find out... (laughs)
3: All right. How about this? Um, did you guys see uh, Steve Kerr talking about um, how Greg Popovich has a rule that if there's a former player at dinner, that Pop always buys if he's if they're even in the restaurant.
0: Wow, that's nice.
3: Ooh. Um Yeah. He, apparently, they went to dinner the other night, and uh, just before the Spurs play the Warriors, and he said that Pop has a rule that if they're not even at the same table, but in the restaurant. Um. That uh, the Pop picks up the bill. So, so Kerr uh, said that he and Danny Ferry, when they played for the Spurs, would go to the hotel concierge when they were on the road. <laughs> find out what yeah. restaurant Pop has had reservations to and just show <laughs> up and be like, oh, hey, Pop, how you doing?
0: That's good. That's smart. Now, does that apply, like, what if a guy just had a 10-day? Is there like a, you know, is it like you have to qualify for pension, or is it just if you play for the Spurs at all under Pop's watch?
3: I think if Pop recognizes you, you have a a chance of getting your meal picked up. Hmm. But Uh Because, you know, let me just say something. Like, one time I was at a restaurant when Danny Ferry was a GM of the Cavs, was during a playoff series, and the Cavs were up, I think, in that series 3-0, and so it was an off night on the road. And everybody with the cows was, was um, feeling uh, a, uh, a, a good time. And uh, we're sitting at dinner. We don't even know he's there. But he and Mike Brown were at the bar eating. And a round of milks arrived, four milks. Um, <laughs> and they said, these are from the gentleman at the bar.
0: Oh, and wow. How, and, how
3: generous. And we look over, and there's Mike Brown and uh, Danny Ferry holding up beers to our milks. So, ha, ha, ha. Well, guess what? They walked away and said we were paying the bill.
0: Oh, really? They stuck you with the bill?
3: They stuck, up, like, stuck us with the bill.
0: Rick Carlisle once paid my bill to Buffalo Wild Wings from a couple tables over. That was nice of Actually,
3: it was during
0: the 2011 first-round series, and they were we were all watching the Spurs Grizzlies, the eight-seed Grizzlies upsetting the one-seed Spurs, which certainly helped pave the way to the Mavericks. Lone Championship.
3: Well, um, and then the next day, um, the PR staff is talking is thanking Danny Ferry because apparently he ran into them at the restaurant and he bought their meal. Oh, so you, so you, well, so you no, kind of
0: you basically bought their meal then. So you should get credit.
3: Exactly, and I go, what kind of standard? I mean, I thought Ferry was supposed to have learned from Pop. Like, what kind of, what is this kind of business? Well, is Pop buying
0: media meals? I'm not so sure about that.
3: Well, mm. I was I was at a uh, restaurant with Pop um, earlier, or I guess it was last season, earlier this year. And um, we went over to the table. He had the whole coaching staff with him. Uh, PJ Carlissimo was with him. Uh, PJ was doing the game on ESPN Radio. And PJ is, like, the greatest. PJ knows like every Italian restaurant in every NBA city. And he knows who the concierge no. or the, uh, major D is. Um, and so, the owners, right? A lot. Yeah. Like a lot of times, like he, he, I think he coached in Toronto for one year and I asked him for a recommendation in Toronto one time and he gave me like four places with the name of the chef and the owner. And like, we went in there and they were like, Oh, how's PJ doing? I was like, when was he in here last? So like, "Oh, three or four years ago, but you know, anyway, so, I went over to the Spurs table and we talked and, um, pop was, you know, gregarious as usual. And then it came time to leave and we were all leaving. And, um, I had a car and I was waiting for the valet to bring my car around and pop and the Spurs coaches were waiting for, um, an, an Uber. And so pop walks up to the valet and he puts his arm around him and he goes, uh, this was in Cleveland. And he goes, um, Hey, uh, who's the best player in the NBA? And the kid goes, maybe a 20-year-old kid goes, uh, LeBron James, pop pulls out a $20 bill and sticks it in his pocket. He goes, what What lake uh, is right over there? Because the, the restaurant was on the lake. And the kid goes, uh, Lake Erie, pop pulls out a $20 bill, sticks it in his pocket. Um, who are the defending Ooh. NBA champion? So he asks him like five or six questions, and every time he answers the questions, Pop sticks a twenty dollar bill in his pocket. He must give him a hundred bucks. I have a career
1: easy. in answering Popovich's questions, actually.
3: <laughs> so, um so then their Uber gets there, and the valet, who really, you know, he was just being nice to the guy, he didn't even like bring his car around. Um The Uber gets there, and Pop's about to leave, and the valet says. um Hey, Pop or Coach, would you mind? Uh, he to call it Pop. He said, "Coach, would you mind uh, if we got a photo?" And Pop said, "Sure, but that'll be twenty dollars."
1: The story is either one, if you see Pop at a restaurant, you have to sit at a table near him and just sigh like, I wish this was a trivia bar, huh? Or <laughs> or two, McMahon or uh Pelton or Wendy, we show up to a restaurant, I'll sit on one of your shoulders and we'll dress up as Marco Bellinelli and get our meal paid for
3: <laughs> <laughs> Who's who's wearing the, the, the neck beard?
0: Uh a little of them two bills now. Little need, need to drop a few.
3: Um all right, well I think we've given uh, Andrew enough to edit.
0: We like no, Wendy's I'm this, is, this is your podcast. I'm we're, with just, we're just spacing the floor.
3: Um <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah, high gravity, Tim.
3: Um, high gravity.
0: So Actually um, I'm a rim roller, but go on.
3: you you would be you you you're not afraid to go into the well the problem
0: is i can't jump over a credit card anymore my pickup game is very zaza ish can
3: you still dunk No.
0: uh i can so the ball got wedged into the rim and i was able to get up and get that but hell no i can't dunk anymore i got old man back something fierce i actually told zaza when he was six four I told, uh, yeah, uh, and handsome as hell. I told that, uh, <laughs> um. <laughs> All
3: right, well, KA. KA, why do I have KA on here? Oh, <laughs> Art of it.
4: I like that. Yeah.
3: Um Kay- Kaylee, does your is your, on your why do you say kA on my screen where mm. Oh, that's weird. Mm. All um, right, anyway, um <laughs> Kaylee, thank you very much. You're Kevin. Welcome, thank you very much. It's a Friday. It feels good to have you guys back on on friday're we're, we're gonna we're going make it happen again. It's going to be a regular part. McMahon, always a pleasure. Keep being McMahon. That's all I ask of you. I've got, I've got no other choice. <laughs> I'm stuck. Um, and Andrew Han, thank you again, and uh, thanks for listening to the True the. Oh my God! Oh, <laughs> oh my God! The real, now. Real <laughs> Um <laughs> yeah. Thank you for listening to the Hoop Collective.
4: Thanks, Brian, and we're going to make this a regular thing with Kaylee and Kevin, which means right now.
2: Hi, Kaylee. Hi, KP. I'm amazed there's finally someone else. I keep calling in on Friday morning trying to take mailbag questions, and there's no one else here.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't get the memo? Uh, Did I miss something? Yeah, uh, yeah, we got the B-O-O-T, (laughs) boot.
2: It's just going to be the two of us, but we are going to be taking your questions on a regular basis. And we probably need to think of a hashtag. Uh, I guess hashtag ask... KB and KP?
4: Is that it?
1: Yes, this is this is very romantic, actually. It's, that's <laughs> a
4: long hashtag. Maybe just, like, hashtag KBKP?
2: We could do that, too. Uh, maybe just ask KBKP? Yeah. This, you're not going to spend 15 minutes discussing the hashtag today, since we don't have any of your questions, as this is the first installment of hashtag AskKBKP. Instead... I thought we should maybe discuss kind of what the first two weeks of the season mean because there's always this challenge right now between do we overreact to what we're seeing when Cleveland goes 3-3 and and has the worst defense in the league? Or, you know, if we just say, hey, it's only been two weeks, nothing matters, are we actually guilty of underreacting? What do you think?
1: Right. I think there are a few undisputed truths, which are the Clippers are never going to win a championship. Hey! And... <laughs> Professor Perplexed, aka Kyrie Irving, is not going to lead a team to a championship. So that's done. Thanks. Shout out to My City Boston. And the Warriors will win, barring injury, until an outsourced cash bomb is dropped upon the model city of Super Teamville. So, other than that, everything is pretty much up for grabs, right? Like, we know those things. So the most you can take a look at really in the first couple of weeks is the rookies or the one year vets and that are now getting a chance to play with the big fish and whatever. But I, that's what I wanted to ask you. Who's impressed you? And do you agree with that assessment of the first two weeks?
2: I think I maybe put a little more weight on it. I mean, uh, the the concept I think about is uh, Daniel Kahneman, the Nobel prize winning uh, economist wrote about the, in his book, uh, which now I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head because it went blank. Uh, wrote about the concept of what you see is all there is where, you know, we know that five games aren't by themselves that meaningful, but when they're the only five games, we read a lot into them. So the way I've been kind of trying to think about it so far is if these were five games that were played in the middle of February, how much importance would I put on them? Because sometimes there's five game stretches where weird things happen. And you just if you know if it's the Orlando Magic go from twenty and twenty to twenty five and twenty one we don't notice it as much as if the Orlando Magic start five and one if that makes sense.
1: Right, that is true. So you are putting weight on what's going on right now.
2: Yeah, some, but just just not all. And I, you know I'm not who, going to. Who, okay, who? So who's impressed me so far?
1: But 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 that being said, yeah. Who are you most wary of? Like what you're seeing, you don't really believe, and who are you actually? you feel confirmed in what you've been seeing.
2: So I'm pretty wary of Victor Oladipo and what's going on with the Pacers. This seems like it's just a hot shooting streak to me. Yeah. On the other side, I would say Nikola Vucevic adding a three-point shot. Like that is a fascinating development to me.
1: Mm. What about Aaron Gordon?
2: Well, I, I've always been on team Aaron Gordon. So i I've not always, Why? I guess not, not so much in the draft, but at least since he's been in the NBA, I've been on that team. So I'm not surprised by that. And so Orlando, I mean, I, I don't think it's legit that they're going to be one of the, you know, handful of best teams in the East, but I, I think they're a pretty legit playoff contender. And I wouldn't have said that two weeks ago.
1: Mm, that's interesting. So Simmons better or just about exactly what you thought he would be.
2: Somewhat better. I would say I'm and I was pretty high on him. Yeah, but the fact that he's able to get to the basket so easily without the outside shot and then he does seem to be making some mid-range shots. So that's that's encouraging, too.
1: So you must be also pretty excited about Kuzma.
2: Yeah, I mean, Kuzma, it's fascinating. I like he was the Lakers rookie. I probably liked the least of the four guys they drafted this year. Because I'm a big Josh Hart guy, and, and Josh Hart's looked, looked good in the limited minutes he's played. Um, but what stood out to me, I don't know if you have noticed this about Kuzma, is like just his touch on like shots from 5 to 15 feet. It, it, they seem very soft shots.
1: So are you on board with people saying that he's kind of on, on not on par, but in an argument with Lonzo Ball, who's more effective at this point?
2: Yeah, at this point, yes. I mean, I think the one thing you need to think about, remember, like, if we're talking about them as prospects, is Lonzo is, what, two years younger than Kyle Kuzma? Right. And point guards tend to develop later. So, you know, it it wouldn't be surprising to me if Kuzma was just as good right now, but that Lonzo was the much better long-term prospect. And, like, anyone who's saying that, like, oh, Kuzma's the better long-term prospect, that, to me, is going too far.
1: Mm -hmm. I agree with that assessment as well. So have I mentioned someone, Fox, Dennis Smith Jr.?
2: Well, I mean, we haven't talked about Markel Fultz. I don't, I don't know how much we can even say about that at this
4: point. This is, uh, you guys are talking way too much straight up basketball. So I'm going to ask a question that no one's willing to engage with me on.
1: Okay. That, hey, I'm on board with all this.
4: <laughs> uh, Pelton, you heard me ask this at the, uh, at the ESPN NBA Summit that we had before the season started, which is, are we satisfied with the level of social activism or protests that the NBA players have put on uh, relative to the NFL players? KB, you want to go first?
1: No, you take this one first.
4: Okay, uh,
2: I, I mean, I would say yes to the extent that I think that you know there is a desire to really promote change and, and do what's necessary to promote change. So you know, I, I don't want to say anything negative about the kneeling in the NFL because I think it has accomplished the task of making this a conversation and bringing the questions of social justice and specifically police brutality against African Americans to light to, you know, to uh, white Americans in a way that possibly it wouldn't if it wasn't thrust in their face as part of, you know, something that is such an important pastime. Um, I feel pretty good about what the players have done. I don't feel as positively about the league itself in terms of you know continuing to enforce the rule, uh, requiring players to stand respectfully during the anthem and try to squash any protests there. I think they've gotten a bit of a free pass on that.
1: When when this first happened with, with Kaepernick, I thought, good, we're talking about this. Thank God someone opened up the avenue to do so. But at the same time, I think the... It's gotten a little um, muddied. And, and I think the goal, like successful protest is when you and a group of people allow for others to join in your uh, movement. So that's why actually a helpful protest is one that is inclusive, is one that can, it, it attracts as many people to your cause. As possible, because if you the goal is change, you need people on board. You need numbers, and the problem with things like this is because it can get violent. More people polls have shown are are like um, not only against violent protest, but kind of scared of it, and they actually like the rule of law. So while while something like this might. Uh, at the core, have a good message. They don't have a policy plan, and they result to uh, or resolve to uh, using violence. And people, uh, instead of getting on board with the message, will see the violent aspects and then say, "No, I want law." So that will make them go to the other side, which is you know where you get like the Trump voter who wants um, who wants rigid, strict law and law and order exactly law and order which they they otherwise maybe would not see that way and not just gravitate yeah
4: so then does this mean that the the league state position is right where they are being rigid about enforcing uh being as kp is the the right term here just to be respectful of the anthem or respectful of the flag
2: i mean I think that it does you know the way that NBA protests have been undertaken probably makes them more palatable toward white fans. You know, I think that's that's certainly the case. Now, sometimes protest needs to be confrontational. It yes. you know that you know the whole notion of oh well I've been disrupted by this protest. Yeah, that's the point is to make you right. real understand what the reality is on a day to day basis for the African American community, you know, to because it's a privilege to not have your life be disrupted in a way. So, yes, I, yeah. I see that part of it, but yeah, I mean, definitely the, the NBA's protests they go down smoother, I would say,
1: right? So, here's the thing is once you say, okay, don't disturb my playing time, don't disturb my time where I watch football or basketball, blah blah, you are signing up for also. The uh, in agreement, in a sense, that says, Okay, I recognize what you are protesting for. I recognize uh, uh, that it is for police brutality and um, the struggle of a uh, black American, and that this is an issue. And by saying that, and by agreeing to that, and saying, I will dedicate all hours outside of this, whatever span a basketball game takes or a football game takes to spreading the message that you are trying to convey to me in those couple hours that i'm asking for quote-unquote peace and to have my football time or my basketball time uh you are saying that you understand the issue and that you will do something in the other hours so yes if you want if you if you are to say that the protests must stop or they have to be controlled or whatever, you don't want uh, your sports to turn political, and this is where you get away from the the politics and and the turmoil that's going on today, then okay, all right, I believe you, great. But that means you are also signing up for and agreeing to the fact that you are now responsible for taking that message and promoting it outside of your football time or your basketball time. So there is a trade-off there. And if you're not willing to do that, then people are going to keep bringing it up in the times that you will pay attention to it.
4: I'm very curious how the players feel about this because, I mean, undoubtedly a lot of them are doing things individually or more discreetly in terms of bringing awareness to the same issues that um, the NFL players are currently, uh, I guess... Providing attention for. But uh, the NBA's had a pretty long history of social activism. And to see it, uh, I don't want to say sanitized, but to see it more governed or more controlled in the way that it is right now uh, does make me wonder if they're doing uh, as much. At, if the players are doing as much as they truly want to in terms of being able to engage with the community on uh, on these topics.
2: I mean, I guess I think the other thing I'd say about the protests during the Anthem in particular is that there's a tendency to sort of make it I I don't know quite what the right term is here, but it becomes about the protest itself, the act of protest itself, and not about the thing you're protesting. So you see, you know, a list of well, here's the guys that kneeled, and here's the guys that sat, and you know, here's the guys who raised their fists in the air, as opposed to like, why are they doing this? And you hear this all the time. Well, like, I don't understand why they're protesting. Like, that's partially, I think, on us in the media for not conveying that, uh, that you know, thoughtful message behind it because of the weak fact that we get so caught up in the mechanics of who's doing what this week. And sidestepping, that may be a good thing for the NBA.
1: It's tough because you, also, you, you can't infringe on people's basic rights. Like, I'm a full believer in that, but which is if you want to protest, all for it, protest. But if you have a goal of your protest, really, and it's not just about the protest. And I believe that that, that that is true for many of these people. And I sign up for it, I would do it myself. But you, to actually see that through, like meaning that there is a positive re- result, you have to be able to communicate that um, so that you are not alienating anybody and that you are joining more people into your cause because it is a good cause and it's a, it's a worthy cause of more people to uh, join.
4: Alright, did we solve uh, this? Uh, oh, yeah, we solved it. <laughs> Great job. Other
1: thoughts? Um, I missed you, KP. <laughs> I,
2: it's been good to hear you I on the mailbag.